It is Tuesday the 10th of March and this is the Monocle Minute today. For the Democrats, it will be a further test of whether it's a moderate or a progressive agenda that voters believe is most likely to defeat Trump this time around, given that electability is emerging as the priority for large numbers of Democratic voters. Six US states hold their primaries. Monaco's US election correspondent Thomas Lewis tells us what to expect. Also ahead, the life of an assassinated human rights activist and LGBT icon will be turned into a television series in Brazil and the rescue of one of the world's most famous architecture schools. I am Marcus Hippie in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Up first today, Monaco's US elections correspondent Thomas Lewis on how this day may change the way the Democratic Party fights in November's presidential election. Six US states hold their primaries today, a smaller but no less consequential iteration of last week's dramatic Super Tuesday votes. It includes the swing states of Florida and Michigan, which both narrowly voted for Donald Trump in 2016, and both of which will be crucial come November's election. For the Democrats, it will be a further test of whether it's a moderate or a progressive agenda that voters believe is most likely to defeat Trump this time around, given that electability is emerging as the priority for large numbers of Democratic voters. Both Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, the frontrunners for the Democratic nomination, have radically different appeals to the kinds of working-class voters living in these states and who were attracted to Trump back in 2016. The question of which of them can build the most diverse coalition at the ballot box, which many Democrats believe is key to ensuring victory in November, should get a little clearer after today's primaries. For Monocle, I'm Tomas Lewis. In Brazil, the life of a young black human rights activist and LGBT icon will be turned into a television series. Monocle's Fernando Augusto Pacheco has the story. Absolutely, Marcus. Marielle Franco, she was a councilwoman in Rio and she was assassinated in 2018. And it's interesting to see that even after two years of her death, her name is still around in political conversations in the country. People still protest with posters with her name. She was killed supposedly by one of the militia in Rio de Janeiro, which is a big problem. And some say that President Jair Bolsonaro turns a blind eye to this type of militia. So it's quite interesting that people are not forgetting who she was and and her importance as a councilwoman because remember she was a woman she was black she was gay you know this is not very common in the world of brazilian politics unfortunately what is the reaction now after after the news that her life will be turned into a television series well i think you know people are happy that you know there will be a series portraying her life i believe there's a new documentary about her life coming out soon and the thing behind this new series you know i, I think it will be quite big budgeted it will be on the streaming service global play uh, jose padilla who will be the director he's the producer of narcos you know the very popular net series, the director of Elite Squad, one of the most watched Brazilian films of all time. So clearly there is, it's something that will be a lot of high value to it and it will be, you know, 
on one of the biggest streaming services in Brazil as well. What do you expect? I'm quite curious. I mean, they haven't chosen the cast yet, but I think they also have to be careful because it's an ongoing story, the Marielle Franco case, because there's still some some questions about the way she was killed. There was even some questions about the involvement of this militia with some politicians. So I think it will be tough and, and controversial at times as well. But from what I can see, the team behind the series, the creator, Antonia Pellegrino as well, she doesn't only want to talk about, you know, urban violence, the militia, but also about her life, her career and her, her importance for Brazilian politics as well. As you said, Fernando, Marielle Franco, you come across that name regularly in Brazil still. Why is her case so emblematic? Well, as I said, because she was quite unique in the world of Brazilian politics. There are not many people like her. So I'm quite proud of Brazilians when I see that in a way. Funnily enough, you know, I saw there was a women's march here in London and somebody had a poster, Marielle Franco. So it's not only in Brazil. In Portugal, there's been a project to give a street name there of Marielle Franco in Germany as well. It became one of those global cases. And I think, you know, she completely deserves it. And and I hope they do a good job at this series, which will be launched next year, Marcus. And just finally, Fernando, can you give us some examples? How do you see France? legacy in Brazil today. Oh, we can see that a lot. I mean, she became an icon, you know, for feminism in Brazil, even for the left. Even though we have a far-right president at the moment, there is a strong opposition and her name is used by the opposition as well, in a way. So she became almost a hero for quite a large part of the Brazilian population. Not only in Brazil, as I said, but worldwide as well. Monaco's Fernando Augusto Pacheco, thank you very much. Up next, Monaco's Nick Manissa's good news as one of America's most famous architecture schools seems to be rescued from closure. Students at Frank Lloyd Wright's School of Architecture at Taliesin should know that they are fortunate. They get to study inside the architect's UNESCO-listed former residences in Wisconsin and Arizona whilst learning to build their own structures informed by his work. As a former design student myself, Taliesin always represented the ideal education, a hands-on application of theory. Which is why I read with some relief over the weekend that the school, which was due to shut up shop in June due to a funding shortage, had been saved. Since the closure was announced in January, a host of new financial supporters have come forward, including Qing Yan Ma, a Chinese architect and former dean of the University of Southern California's architecture department. In an agreement that Mars brokered with two Chinese universities, up to 12 tuition-paying students from these institutions will study at Taliesin each year, a move that will provide the necessary financial backing to keep the school operational. Mars' support, along with the thousands of people from across the world who have rallied behind Taliesin since January, shows an understanding of the significance of the school and its model. In a time of increasing international discord, it has also highlighted that art, culture and architecture can transcend national boundaries and economic tit-for-tats between governments. Taliesin's rescue should remind people in the United States, China and elsewhere to protect and celebrate the things that we have in common rather than focus on what sets us apart.
My thanks to Nick. And then elsewhere on today's agenda, markets were sent into a tailspin yesterday by a high-stakes fight over the appropriate production level of oil, with Saudi Arabia at the centre, unwilling to tolerate challenges to their dominance of the global oil landscape. The Saudis have chosen to flood the market with oil to drive down prices and, most importantly, to teach Russia a lesson after it last week refused the Saudis' demands to cut production. The Russians, meanwhile, are motivated by a desire to put the squeeze on the United States and its shale gas producers, which have made the US less dependent on foreign energy and emboldened Washington's attempts to sanction Moscow. But Mark Katz, a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, believes the Russians underestimate Saudi determination. He says Saudi Arabia cannot afford to let Russia take the leadership of this. American shale oil is bad enough, but they can't accept Russians taking the lead from Saudi Arabia. And manga publishers are temporarily making hundreds of volumes free to read online in Japan, where the coronavirus means many people are currently working or studying from home. Weekly Shonen Jump, a manga anthology from Shueisha Publishing that usually shifts over 1.8 million copies a week, is giving away the first 13 volumes of 2020 and also making volumes 1 to 60 of One Piece, one of the best-selling manga of all time, available until the beginning of April. Weekly Shonen Champion, one of Japan's oldest manga weeklies, is also allowing free access to its recent volumes. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I am Markus Hippi. The Monocle Minute returns on Wednesday.